people always want to know like the optimal thing that that they should be doing. And again, type A runners, like we want to like, what's the perfect thing? Like, what's the perfect plan? But unless we have a habit built in the first place, there's really nothing to optimize. There's really nothing to make perfect. Right. And so I love that. And I always I call it strategically lowering the bar when people have that one thing in their in their training. Like, let's say for a lot of us, it's strength training. Like I just oh, I always blow it off. I never get to it. I say lower the bar. Like, what is the minimum that that you can do? You know, like, is it two minutes? Is it two minutes of strength training? You get down on the floor and you do 30 second plank and 30 second bridges. And you know what I mean? And you, yay, you've done the two minutes and you get that little hip, hit of dopamine to say, pat on the back, like I did it. Right. And we can always optimize later, but if you're not doing it consistently, there's really nothing to optimize. If you are constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week, we help a runner just like you learn how to consistently get in your mental clearing miles and even hit PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Do you get more motivated to get out the door and go for a run if there is a goal on the horizon? Personally, I know I run better when I have a race on my calendar that I'm specifically training for, although many runners never run a race during their journey, and that is completely fine. But if you struggle on setting appropriate running goals for yourself, this is the episode for you. Welcome to episode 160 on the Healthy Runner Podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I get to chat with a fellow coach, podcaster, and physio, Carolyn Coffin. Carolyn, thanks so much for coming back on the show again. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yes, this is I guess a long time in the making, but I feel like, you know, we've followed each other's journeys since you were on the show last year at this time. So I'm looking forward to having you on individually to talk about some running goals today. So guys, in this episode, Carolyn is really going to help you in setting your yearly running goals or race um, goals that you might 
be like, how do I plan out this whole running thing? So Carolyn, if you don't mind, you know, giving us a little more backstory into why you currently are not practicing as a physio anymore and why you enjoy, you know, serving our running community through the capacity in which you do it through run and health coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worked for a physiotherapist for about 10 years, maybe just a touch longer. And I I liked it, but I didn't love it, right? Because I didn't love the model. Like, let's wait until you're injured and then we get to start our relationship together. I thought it was a little bit backwards. And actually what I would see often in in the clinic when I when I was working was I just wanted more time with them. I wanted to really understand what are you doing outside of, you know, this knee pain or this back pain that you're having like if they're a runner, for example, I would see a lot of runners in my time as a physiotherapist. And I, I just wanted to dig in, show me your running program. What are you doing? You know, because I so I found myself really being drawn to more of the prevention than more of the reactive, let me treat you after you're injured type of approach. So yeah, I left physiotherapy about oh my gosh. How long ago was that? About 2012. So it's been a good 10, solid 10 years that I've been working more on the prevention side. And I just love it. Like I wake up every day being like, I was born to do this. (laughs) This is so much fun. So yes, I work as I started off uh, initially after physiotherapy working as a health coach. So really helping people develop healthy behaviors and habits. Like I find the whole thing fascinating from like how you actually help somebody change but I'm fascinated with the psychology of that as well. And then over time, I found that most of my clients were runners and they were coming to me saying, like, can you help me knock 30 seconds off my 5K? And I was like, well, I'm not a running coach, right? And this is how a lot of us become running coaches, I think, is that enough people ask us for advice that we're like, I better get certified in that too. So so here I am as a certified running and health coach. And I would say I spend the majority of my time in what you would think of as running coaching, but definitely I'm bringing that health coaching side of things in because let's be honest, the runners also need to eat well and go to bed on time and and manage their stress and all of those other things that help really boost up the recovery side of things. Absolutely. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you and I are similar in that fact of, you know, just getting frustrated with the sick care model. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why I resonate a lot with your podcast episodes um, and your posts on social media, because, you know, we do have that same belief system on, hey, let's empower runners to actually stay healthy so they don't get injured as opposed to just treating them after the fact when an injury uh, does occur. And Exactly. And you know, you're going to like, it's going to be that revolving door. Like I'm going to get this person better. Their pain's going to go away, but I haven't really fixed the underlying problem, right? Because, you know, they they still have a biomechanical thing in their running gait or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to see them again in six months. So yeah. Definitely much more happy doing what I'm doing right now and and preventing those injuries. Yeah. And we probably should have mentioned for those who are in the United States here and noticed I referred to as a physiotherapist. Yes. You know, Carolyn does reside in Canada. Which uh, province again? I'm in Manitoba, so central Canada, and the city is called Winnipeg. All right. Excellent. So since it's been a year since you've been on the show with your partner in crime, Kim Kim Senecal, Mm -hmm. 
you know, do you mind catching us up on kind of what you've been working on in your running journey uh, this past year? And just for kind of for clarification purposes, for those that haven't listened to your previous episode with Kim, it's a fantastic episode. Highly recommend you guys go check it out. But Carolyn is the roadrunner of of the pair of the duo and Kim is more the trail runner and their podcast inspired souls kind of brings both of those worlds together, which I absolutely love listening to on my runs. So what, you know, have you been working on this past year in your road running journey? Right. So I guess if we spoke about a year ago, we have this thing, right? We keep being on each other's <laughs> podcasts at like exactly the same time of, of the year. I th- so yes, I think I was on your podcast last January. And at that time, I would have been training for the Manitoba Marathon. So that's our kind of big marathon that happens every June. It's always on Father's Day, which is kind of late, but our for the, for those that don't know anything about the prairies uh, here in Canada, it gets very cold in the winter. So training is is tricky. And so we tend to have a little bit of a different race calendar than a lot of other places. So our, our main kind of spring races would be like May and June, where other places might be April, May. So anyway, I was training for the Manitoba Marathon. We went through probably one of the worst winters last winter that anybody can remember. It was absolutely dreadful, freezing cold, tons of blizzards, snow, wind, wind, like it was just awful. So anyway, we were training, training for that. And then the race was happening on Father's Day in the middle of June. And as luck or unluck would have it, we wound up with one of the hottest, most humid, sunny days for the race that had ever happened. It was the hottest day of the entire year on that day. And they ended up canceling the race partway through. So I got to almost halfway and they canceled the race. It was that unsafe? Because of course, none of us had acclimatized to any heat or humidity at all. It had been a really cold spring, rainy, wet spring. We had all kinds of flooding. So anyway, it was just a, a perfect storm. So anyway, I uh, I refocused because I had had this very long training cycle for the marathon. I kind of started training, honestly, before Christmas last year, building up my mileage. And I was I was pretty fit, I thought. And I didn't want to carry on the training cycle. I needed to shut it down. I didn't want to do, you know, there were no other marathons in later in June or, or July or August. Like they just don't happen then, right? And I couldn't hang right. on and September. And so I just shut it completely down, went on the track, which I absolutely love, like did a little bit of um, speed work and all of that, and then built myself back up and ran the California International Marathon on December 4th in Sacramento. And that was a, a fantastic experience. It was really fun to train here through the fall because we do get, we get all the seasons in all their <laughs> elements, but our fall is pretty fantastic. And so most of my heavier training was done through you know, September, October, November, which was lovely. Yeah. And that must have been definitely disappointing, I would imagine, uh, having your race uh, canceled yeah. on you after putting in all of that training. And I think one thing that is um, unique to your training, and I've seen you do this before, is actually do some like adult, you know, shorter distance races, right? Some like track races? Is that what you did over the summer or were you just kind of training on the track? 
Yeah, no, that's what I did. And I, I invited all my clients to the, to the track. I didn't get a 100% response rate by any stretch of the imagination, but I did have a few people come out and join me. And uh, I promised to make it fun because uh, as you know, a lot of people, that's not the way they train. That isn't the way they grew up. That wasn't even the way I grew up. I didn't even really take up running in any serious capacity till I was in my 30s. And so I didn't do track. I didn't, it's not a comfort zone for me. So I think it can be very intimidating for adults to go on the track. Ah, do I belong here? What do I need special shoes? What direction do I run in? Like all these kind of (laughs) fears come up, right? And, uh, And so it was a lot of fun to have company on the track. And I do think the people who came out to join me ended up sharing in my belief that the track can be a lot of fun and it can make you faster because I had some people go out and, you know, like just go do a 5k time trial or go in a race afterwards. And they were quite a bit faster. Like I had one, one lady who took a minute and a half off her 5k PR and that's pretty significant after just seven or eight weeks on the track. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And how many events did you compete in? Not a ton. I did some indoor track last winter and I did a 1500 and 3000 there. And then our um, athletics, athletics Manitoba, it's called our kind of governing body for track and field, I guess you could say, put on a master's mile in the summertime on the outdoor track. So that was really fun. It was like men and women together. I was the only woman. So I was like, come on, you guys, like I I need to get more women competing on the track. But that was a ton of fun, that master's mile. And I actually participated in a few relays. And the relays can be Uh, again, a lot of fun, make it feel like the eyes aren't all on you. And it's much more of a team feel. And I think that's a nice introduction for people to get on the track by just joining a relay and experiencing it from that side of things, and then maybe getting more serious later. Right. The, my daughter just started doing indoor track last year, actually, and she's doing it right now. And yeah, those relays are like super exciting. They are. So you know, just being able to do that as an adult, I think is like so cool. And I, I've seen some random ones, you know, before around us on like, you know, doing a mile. And I think that'd be like super fun to like just go all out and see how yes. fast can you like run a mile in a race setting. Yes. Uh, so that sounds really, really fun. And I definitely have to see when there's one around me yeah. that works. And I- but. I think that's maybe a a good point to pause on because I think a lot of people don't understand or realize that these opportunities exist for us, right? Adult recreational roadrunners, but I guarantee there is an opportunity for you when you start to, to kind of visit those websites where like whatever it is, is for you in your state or, or province, visit your athletics organization and see what they've got on the calendar. Because uh, I, uh, there would be something for you. And yeah, 15, like for road runners, you know, 1500 to the 5K is probably a little bit more in our wheelhouse than sort of 800 and down. <laughs> 800s can be very, very tough. I'm actually racing a 5000 indoors, so a 5K indoors tomorrow. Uh, oh, tomorrow wow. evening. Yeah. 
So that should be fun. And on an indoor track, so indoor tracks are 200 meters and outdoor tracks are 400 meters. So it's actually 25 laps of the indoor track is a, is a 5K. I, so, that sounds uh, kind of special terrible. kind of torture. <laughs> exactly. Um, that sounds, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's tough. I know my daughter runs uh, the 1,000 and the 1,600. Okay. So yes. yeah, it's, I, I, I lose track. I'm like, wait, what lap are we on? Oh, what, you know, 100%. I'm trying to like Thank figure goodness out there's what... someone there counting your laps. <laughs> That's right. all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, I would be remiss to not ask how, you know, CIM went. I know that's a popular marathon. You know, there's probably listeners who are thinking about possibly doing that one. Mm. And I just, I, I do need to say the way you spoke about your race recap on social media was just like, gold. It was like, for those who don't follow Carolyn (laughs) on Facebook or Instagram, she teased out like different parts of the race. (laughs) And I was like reading it and like she she leaves you on a cliffhanger and I'm like, wait, oh, oh my, my goodness, God. I got to wait till tomorrow to find out like how the rest of the race went. Uh, but that was awesome because you kept me like engaged. I was like, I can't wait till the next day to like read the next part of, of her race recap. Yeah. Well, I had I had other people give me that feedback, too. It's like, no, no, you're not going to make me wait. But the thing is, I was writing it as I was going along. And so I didn't even have it to release. So I was like kind of processing the race myself right. as I was writing that so yeah i wrote it in little parts and it ended up being four parts or something like that but it no was it very went very intriguing it, okay well i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah the race went very well again i felt ready i felt prepared the training went fantastic it's been a really long time since i've actually done a, an entire marathon training cycle and got to have the cherry on top of the race right because i mentioned that that the other one got canceled and then there was a like some virtual ones, which are definitely not the same. And so the last time I had really lined up for a marathon was Boston 2016. So that felt like quite some time ago. It was six, six years ago. Right. So pulling a page out of your book, Duane. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no, it went well. My main goal was to execute a smart race. So meaning that I got to 20 miles and I can sort of race the last 10 miles. And I wouldn't say I completely nailed that part of it, but I did hang on. So my, uh, what I was most proud of in that one is that my first half and second half split were only 10 seconds apart. (laughs) So that's amazing. Pretty, pretty even. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, and you did, uh, hit your goal. I, I believe, if I recall, it was just shy of your PR, right? In yes. the marathon. Uh, so yes. that's yeah. fantastic, especially after all these years and working on different things. You got it. It sounds yeah. like, you know, you really executed that race well. Any tips or suggestions if someone was to train for CIM next year? Any, oh, like, I lessons can't learned? recommend it highly enough, really. The race is fantastic. It's one of those, you know, there's the world majors and they have a lot of hype and there's a ton of people in them. They can be overwhelming for some people, but then there's these other races that are excellent, super well organized. This one's very athlete centered. Like they really put the athletes first in a lot of the decisions that they make. For example, you get bust. It's very much like Boston. It's a point to point. So you get bust out to the start line. There is like a thousand porta potties. Like I've never seen so many porta potties in one place, but yet 
you know, that's something that's very athlete focused, right? Everyone's going to need to go to the bathroom before we're nervous. And so that was really nice to see. And then just all the pace bunnies and uh, like they had pace bunnies for every Boston qualifier plus some. And so, um, yeah, they really, really thought about the athletes. So again, I mentioned the time of year I find was fantastic for it, at least where we live anyway. But I would imagine for most most places throughout the U.S. as well to train through the fall and then have that early December race is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're thinking about it, I would highly recommend CIM. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it is a great race. Uh, the trouble for me personally is that it always lands on my anniversary weekend. Uh, so oh, okay. yeah, December 4th is our anniversary. So, you know, it's either on that day or that weekend. And I'm like, yes. Ooh. You know, yeah, I don't know how tricky. well that's going to go over um, with the wife, right. you know, hey, honey, <laughs> like, let's spend our anniversary out in California. We'll take a trip. You know, I'm just going to run this marathon and I'll probably be right. like exhausted after it. And, you know, I'm going to be worried about what I need to eat beforehand, but we're going to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And it's not as if it's like, you know, LA or uh, San Diego or Palm Springs. It's like Sacramento. Like it's a harder sell for right. family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that. let's get into today's topic on how we yes. set goals for your running. And this is something that we really haven't done a deep dive yet on the podcast, Ooh. 160 episodes in. Yes. We, we did one episode kind of talking about how to plan like your race calendar. Yes. For the year. And that was over a year ago now. But I really, because honestly, quite frankly, even personally, I haven't got in into some really specific goal setting for myself. So selfishly, I figured mm-hmm. like, why not like, you know, you know, be able to learn from you and all of your wisdom. Um, <laughs> so if we could start, you know, just looking at the big picture, like what is a good five-year plan, let's say for running goals. So we're kind of like, Start with zooming out and then we'll kind of zoom in to like race specific goals, if you don't mind. I think this is a perfect place to start, quite honestly, because I would say this is probably the biggest mistake that I see people make. So if we think about SMART goals, have people heard of kind of the SMART acronym, like specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. I would say time-based, that last one, like I want to achieve whatever goal and I want it to be done in whatever amount of time. Usually that's too short for people, right? They're saying, I want to BQ and I want to do it in four months, you know? And often the BQ will come, but it might take five years, right? And so I love starting with a zoomed out time plan where, where do I want to be in five years? Because again, most of us, when we take up running, like we don't want to just be running for four months, right? We don't want the finish line to be there. We want to be lifelong injury-free runners, which is what I know you promote. Yes. 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 And so (laughs) where do I want to be in five years, right? It allows you to kind of really, really zoom out and and understand what it is that you're working towards. What's that really big North Star in your running? And often, I mean, if I think about my own running journey, when I first started out, I wasn't thinking that far. I was just like, I want to get faster at the 5K, you know? And so my, my time horizon was pretty short. But then as I kept seeing improvements, I was like, ooh, I wonder what I could do. Could I get to Boston? Could I do all these things? And then I zoomed out. So it's almost like we can toggle back and forth between these longer range plans and then what's happening in this particular season. Okay. 
So let's, <laughs> I'm going to fill this out as we go here. So if I was filling out Dwayne's running goals um, in five years, I would like to be able to continue to get faster in the marathon, run at least one marathon each year and, you know, continue to get faster in PR uh, and experience some different marathons, like geographically, kind of get out, get outside of the small state of Connecticut here in the States and be able to have some different experiences for the marathon. Okay. So that's kind of my, my five year plan is to like consistently train for a marathon each year, experience some different marathons and, you know, continue to grow as a runner, Hmm. continue to get faster and get some more experience under my belt. Yes, I love it. And I and you touched on a lot of really good things that I would want to like drill into if I was, you know, setting your your five-year plan. And so it sounds to me like the the trap the first of all the five-year plan kind of forces you to be a bit more realistic, right? Like this is going to happen over five years. I'm going to get a little bit better each time I go along, each cycle that I go along, and where can I be in five years? And so Another thing that you pointed out there was the, I want to experience different places. So there's travel, there's adventure in there. Because what I'm always hearing in somebody's five-year plan, it's it's kind of like their why. Why are they even doing this anyway? Like, who do they want to become in the process? What what? How do they want to grow? What do they want to see? How do they want to challenge themselves? You know, and I think that you're speaking to a lot of that there. And so I would encourage you to like, what exact, I get more specific on that. Like, what states do I want to see? What races do I want to do? Right. Yeah. What time do I, is kind of my, my stretch time. Like you're got your PR right now. So, you know, you want to run one marathon per year. You want to try to PR that may factor into the races that you choose. If the PR is a super important part of this equation, then you're probably not going to pick a New York City or something like that, right? You might want to go more with a with a CIM or a, a kind of flatter, faster course. CIM does have some rollers, but uh, it's, it is known to be a pretty fast course that people go to to be cute. So all of this factors in and and it is kind of this part of the planning process I find for most people is really fun and exciting because it's like filled with all this possibility. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point as far as it being attainable and you know, I get this all the time too when I hop on calls with runners who are seeing if they're a good fit for our coaching program and you know, I do get a lot of you know, I would like to BQ or, you know, I would like to run a sub three and like their current time is like four something. So I'm like, you know, that's really not going to be realistic or attainable anytime within these next couple of years, let alone the time period that we're working together in like a 16 week training block. Right. So yeah, no, I, I like that you said like, yes, at some point, would I love to get a BQ? Absolutely. Yes. Quite frankly, I'm not sure if that's even attainable until I see like what happens these next five years in kind of my marathon, you know, growth journey. Yes. So yeah, I think, I think you bring up a good point in, in that looking at that bigger five-year plan. And I like that you also mentioned, you know, how important is the PR aspect in, you know, mm-hmm. choosing what race that you do choose. So yeah, very mm-hmm. good points there. 
So that's kind of the big picture. How about, you know, what's a good, you know, yearly running goal? Yeah. So that's where I think most people kind of do that naturally, right? It's this coming up year. A lot of us do it in, you know, right around this time of the year. What do I want to race this year? And it might be, you know, this year I want to run a fall marathon, right? And so name your one. <laughs> I want to do Chicago. I, my name got drawn for the lottery. I already know that I'm running Chicago. So then that's almost like the outcome, the far off, you know, race primary goal. And then we can build backwards. We can actually kind of reverse engineer the entire year with that as the primary focus. And I've actually just done this with, with several clients who Chicago is their, their one. Cause I think they've done their lottery already. So people yes. know, and, and it's helpful in the planning process. So if we think, okay, Chicago's our, our main marathon and it's like, it's the North star. It's what all of the training is pointing towards. Could we then spend the spring months and so the winter and into the spring getting faster at the half marathon because when you race some shorter distances when you race you know you could even that person could even feasibly race a 5k a 10k and a half marathon in the kind of april to april may time frame and get faster and they may even see progress over those three races and then they can shift focus in the summertime for the the marathon training to officially start does that make sense it does and so what you're saying is if someone's goal is to run a marathon in the fall that they need to really prioritize that goal now even though it's nine months away right absolutely that's what i'm saying yep what's going to happen or what races are going to happen in the spring or early summer is really dependent upon that long-term goal of, you know, the marathon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So everything they do in the spring and, and even backing up from there in the base training, which is happening right now is in service of that bigger a goal, that kind of shining North star type of type of goal that we have. Yeah. And unfortunately, me personally, I did try to get in the Chicago lottery. I did not get selected. So I will not be in Chicago this year, but I am considering and I haven't made a decision yet. So I I do need to get on this um, is possibly MCM. So the Marine Corps Marathon. Okay. I've done that. That was my first one. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I hear it's pretty epic experience and very emotional uh, toward the end. Yes. And the other one is one in uh, New York. It's called Wine Glass. I don't know if you've heard oh, of that one. Yes, I have. It's yes, a smaller I one, but I hear it's beautiful. Um, it's a good mm-hmm. experience. So both of those are driving distances to me. MCM, I might do the train, but you know they are kind of driving distances where I'm not going like all the way across the country. But I did consider New York and doing it as like a charity. Um, But Mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier, my initial goal, yearly goal, is to really get a PR in the marathon distance as opposed to experiencing all that New York has to offer. And I know Mm -hmm. that that course would not lend itself to, you know, getting a PR per se. So I definitely want to experience New York at some point, but my yearly goal is like, Hey, let's, you know, put in another, you know, hard, you know, training block and let's see really, I guess 
a proper yearly run plan, right? Like you had mentioned and what my goals are in the spring and then really be able to test the fitness and, you know, get a PR. So New York is, you know, it will definitely happen at some point, uh, being originally from New York and I consider myself a New Yorker still. And it just looks like an amazing experience besides the waiting for hours upon hours of endless waiting in the beginning sounds Mm -hmm. very torturous and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think I'll definitely need to experience that at some point. Oh, I I 100% agree. And it's, it's funny with CIM that actually qualified my husband and I both, we don't want to do another marathon seriously in 2023. Like we just spent so much of 2022 doing marathons that we're like, oh, I'm taking a year off of marathoning. Our goal is to get faster. So we're going to prioritize some of the shorter races, but we qualified for New York at CIM. And so we're going to run New York for fun in 2023, but CIM also qualified us for Chicago 2024. And so that's my next uh, kind of serious marathon. So that's a two year, like speaking back to your zooming out, right? Everything I'm doing now is in service of Chicago 2024, which is a long ways off. So I love that you're kind of also talking yourself through like the marathon itself, whether it's flat or hilly or or whatever is coming into it. But also I can drive to these marathons. Like the don't underestimate how much traveling to a race takes out of you, right? When you're getting on the airplane and, and trust me, things are very not the same post COVID <laughs> with, with traveling and you could ha- end up with a, a flights that resemble nothing of your original booking. And that's pretty stressful if you're traveling to a race to, to do it for a PR or something. So, so again, this all kind of factors in the conversation. I I'm hope, hope I'm bringing it back to our topic at hand here, but the goals become really important of like, you know, how important is it to me that I can just get in my car and arrive at this race? So I love that you're thinking of all of these things. Right. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe next year I'll do the lottery again for Chicago and maybe you and I both can meet up in Chicago, do a little shakeout run have together. have a live podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or a shakeout run. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yes. That'd be amazing. Yeah. No, I'm excited that you'll be in New York uh, this year and be able mm-hmm. Is would this be your first New York? Oh, definitely okay. my first New York. And I would be just there to take it all in. Like I would not care whatsoever about about my right. time. So sometimes I am running for performance and other times I'm really not. And I think also being clear uh, and mindful of like, what's the why? Like, what's the why for this race? Because it can tr- change drastically from one race to the next. Time to take a real quick break. And before I say any more, I truly hope the message so far today has benefited you either from a running or health standpoint. Staying in line with that theme, I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a brand new exciting partnership with Naboso, which is a company that is dedicated to redefining what's underneath your feet so you can feel more to move better as a runner. From a movement prep before your runs to foot recovery after those hard speed workouts or long runs, Naboso's Textured Products lets your senses guide you and connects you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. 
Want to learn more on how you as a runner can activate, strengthen, and recover from running? Listen to episode 116 on this podcast to learn from Naboso founder, podiatrist, and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle herself. We had a value-packed episode learning how she took her conventional podiatric medical degree and combined it with years of experience and expertise in human movement and sensory science to found Naboso. Dr. Emily shared with us the importance of foot stability for runners. What is sensory stimulation? The benefits of toe spacers and barefoot training for running. There's so much value in this episode, so be sure to go back and queue up episode 116 on the Healthy Runner podcast to listen to during your next long run to learn more about Naboso. I personally have always battled a mild case of plantar fasciitis and have been using the NeuroBall to get out those hard-to-reach trigger points in my deep foot muscles that foot rollers just frankly don't reach and get to. I have also been a big fan of the toe spacers for the past 10 years, but have yet to find a pair that is actually flexible as comfortable and that I can tolerate for hours to help realign my toes and stretch the small muscles in my foot. This has been clutch, honestly, for my claw toes that I have and helping my plantar fasciitis. I just love doing 10 minutes of elevation with my Naboso splay on after a long run. Naboso's recovery socks are like your traditional running compression socks, but they are the first ever that stimulate your nervous system and enhance movement with their patented textured surface on the inside of the sock. Matter of fact, as I'm reading this right now, I have on my Naboso splay toe spacers and I couldn't imagine my feet tolerating the hard half marathon training I am doing right now without some of these great products at Naboso. Learn more about how Naboso's Texture products connect you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Since you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order using the special link we have in our show notes. Go ahead and give Naboso a try and your feet will thank you for it. I know mine already have. Now let's get back into this episode. You had mentioned in the previous question about a goal and Mm -hmm. like a goal, B, C goals. And I've heard a lot about that in the running community. And I'm not going to lie, like up until a year ago, I had no clue what that meant. So (laughs) I would imagine there are many runners out there listening to this now and probably don't know what it means at all. So what are A, B, C goals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a good point. We have all this lingo in the running community (laughs) that we just assume everybody knows what we're talking about all the time. So yeah, ABC goals is a a fairly common way that people will go about once, I think once the race is a little bit closer, once the training has, has pretty much happened and perhaps in the taper, people will say, okay, the race is coming up how, how do I want it to go? Let's like start to visualize uh, how race day is going to go. And so an A goal is kind of in my world, an A goal is like, okay, everything is just like all the stars are lining up. Like everything is going according to plan. The weather is perfect. I feel great. I'm in the race thinking, whoa, like this feels easy. Like almost never does the A goal happen, right? (laughs) As I'm, as I'm kind of outlining what that is. It's like, 
I can count on one hand the number of races, and especially as they get longer, the less likely this is to happen, that everything's going to line up perfectly. But it does happen. And you hear this even among professional runners. Like it's it just holy, like everything was was just perfect on this day. So I went for it. So that's an A goal. A B so, goal. So it is something that is just, you know, in terms of like your current level of fitness, it's something that's just out of reach, really, right? From like yeah. what you would expect to, you know, as like a realistic PR. It's like kind of out of reach. It's like the top end of what you'd be capable of, but it's dependent on all of these other things that frankly are outside of your control a little bit, like the weather, <laughs> right? Yep. That all of that has to line up too. So yeah, it's on the, we can never, we can never run faster than what we're actually capable of, but this is like kind of the top end of what we're capable of. If everything goes perfectly, if all the stars aligned, the weather was perfect, you felt great like that morning and you're like, all right, I'm going for this eagle. So I'm going to go with a race strategy that is like, or you start out the race, right. And you're noticing things do feel easier than you expected. And maybe you adjust during the race itself and be like, Hey, maybe I can shoot for this mm-hmm. eagle. Exactly. Okay. You got All it. Right. Yeah. So yep. what's the B goal? So a B goal in, in my role, this is how I like people setting their goals is like, here's what the training has indicated. If everything's pretty good on race day, you know, there might be the odd little hiccup or something, but if everything's pretty good, here's what I can can almost confidently say that I'm capable of. That's how I like people setting the beagle. So I usually like their, in a funny way, like their beagle to be their A goal, to be their sort of primary goal. Sorry, I just confused a couple of analogies, but their beagle is sort of the thing that we create the race plan around, right? And then the right. A goal is sort of like, okay, yeah, if everything's perfect. But the B goal is, is I guess, a slightly bit more realistic than, than the A goal. Right. So it kind of stretches you a little bit, but it's not unrealistic to like PR, right? So it, it essentially is a, usually it's going to be a PR, right? Like your B goal, but it's, it's realistic based upon how the training has been going. Exactly. It might not always be a PR because again, if the training, like say you got COVID during the training cycle, or you had to miss a, a chunk of training because of a little niggle or something that popped up or you were traveling all over the place unexpectedly. There was a death in the family. Like so many things, right, can come at us that we aren't expecting. So it doesn't always mean that you're going to be going for a PR. But I think by the time a training cycle is complete, we have a pretty realistic picture of what that person is capable of. So again, the B goal to me would be oriented around that. I love how you brought in all those other elements and factors when you are goal setting with your runners. And even coming up with this B goal. So thank mm-hmm. you for adding that in. I think that's so many runners, I feel like, don't think about all of those things. And they just think about the time on the clock. And that's their goal because they put that time in their head, whether it is sub four hour marathon, whether it's a 3.30 marathon, yes. right? Like yes. they just like get fixated on that time without yeah. taking into account, you know, other variables that have gone on in their life and personal stressors. I actually just did a um, podcast on kind of six steps to like growing as a runner. And one of those is kind of the mental aspect as well as life stressors. Mm -hmm. And the life stressors 
play a role in your goal setting. So I love how you mentioned that. And I think to your point there, we can be too rigid. Like that's a problem that I see in goal setting is, is, you know, you get the smart goal and, and smart goals are great because they give you clarity. It's a very clearly defined goal for the most part. And our brains sort of thrive off of that clarity. But I think one of the drawbacks of a smart goal, and we're speaking to this, is that they're too rigid. Like when a goal is so tightly defined, it doesn't really leave any wiggle room to adjust when when life throws its inevitable curveballs as we've been talking about. And so if we fail to adapt when adapting would make the most sense, it could lead to a much bigger problem. So again, we've probably had both had clients or maybe even we've experienced this ourselves that, you know, you're training along, everything's going great. And then you get this little niggle in your calf, but you're so hell bent on getting to the start line or hitting your weekly mileage goals that you ignore the problem, right? We're so good at pushing through as runners and and that doesn't always serve us, right? And now the next thing you know, we've torn the calf completely and we're slated for surgery and we don't even make it to the start line where if you'd had the wiggle room and you weren't so rigid in the goal that we could have made some sensible adjustments on the fly and avoided this whole situation to begin with. And I think this is where having a coach is invaluable, right? A lot of the times if we're in charge, we just go, nope, this is what the plan says. But if we can say in dialogue with a coach, like, hey, this just came up for me. What do you think? We make those adjustments together and and then feel confident, right? That, oh, my coach changed my plan on me, right? So it's not me being weak or me, you know, giving up or, or anything like that. The, the plan has changed because my life circumstances have changed. And that reminds me of a research paper that I just came across recently that looked at risk factors for running related injuries. And one of the factors that were identified was type A personality. Mm-hmm. And to me, that made some sense because if you do have that personality, which many of us do, mm-hmm. it is hard to get off of your structure and yes. adjust and modify the plan. So I love what you mentioned about, yes, having that you know objective view from a coach that actually modifies your plan to keep it where your training should be based upon whatever variable, whether you got COVID or, you know, yep. life stressors are going on in your life. So yeah, that exactly. reminds me of, of that study, which I thought was definitely very interesting. Well, I mean, that it's just no someone's se- personality. <laughs> yeah. And it's no secret that running, um, type A people are attracted to running for the most part. Right. So then that would make sense that we have a little bit harder <laughs> of a time adjusting when when life requires that we adjust. So right. yeah, amazing. Okay. So the B goal is one that kind of stretches you, but it's not unrealistic. It's kind of based upon your current fitness level during the training. It could be a PR or like you said, it may be not, you know, be a PR, especially if you're like someone who's run like so many of that race distance, I think it gets very hard yes. to like hit that PR. Like for me, it's like the half marathon. I don't know. I've done like almost 30 or something. It's like really going to be hard for me to get a PR versus yes. the marathon. I've only done two. Hey, my chances of getting a PR are a lot easier, right? Yes. So Good what point. is this seagull? Okay. So the seagull is the one, frankly, that I spend 
more time talking about with my clients and not to say that, oh, everything's going to go wrong, but to plan for something to go wrong, because honestly, something probably will go wrong, especially the longer that you race. So the C goal to me is once your B goal or your, you know, A goal, but really we've talked about that the B goal is kind of like the, the one we're going for to begin with in the race plan. Once the B goal sort of starts to slip out of reach and have we all had a race where that happens, you're like in the middle of the half marathon, you're like, how am I going to maintain this pace? So it starts to slip Mm -hmm. out of reach. What can happen for people, especially the type A people that, that running seems to attract is that we can spiral like very quickly, like we can very quickly, you know, say in mile six of the half marathon, be like, this is great. And then like two miles later, you're like, I may as well just quit the race. (laughs) Like that's, that's catastrophizing. That is spiral spiraling out of control. And so it's very easy for us to get into like what I call what's the point mode right? That mm-hmm. negative voice that like, why am I even doing this anyway? That that sort of devil on your shoulder takes over and it can get really ugly really quickly. And so the C goal is sort of like when everything sort of <laughs> falls apart, the wheels really start to come off. I'm still capable of this, right? And what it, what that does is it it takes some of the pressure off. It shifts our emphasis in the race to still it keeps us engaged and still fighting for something when kind of that perfect day or that, you know, this should have been realistic day starts to not come to fruition. I think it still keeps us fighting for something, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no. And I think, heck, I've been there many, many times. This is where I feel like I am most of the time nowadays is, yeah, that, PR or that B goal isn't going to happen, but you know, what is an effort level that you're still going to be like happy about right when you finish and you're going to yeah. be proud of versus yes. like you said, just throw in the towel totally. And like, Hey, I'm going to walk the rest of this half marathon. What does it matter anyway? Right. Yes. Like, yeah. And I've definitely felt in the moment it feels crappy. And even when you've cross the finish line, you see the time that wasn't your B goal, you know, you get those thoughts and we've talked about that before. And I like (laughs) talked about that with my marathon recap last fall. But when you reflect a little bit and give yourself space and time and think about all the variables, it's still something that you are proud of. So I agree with you that I, I feel like runners should have this goal in their back pocket, that it should be something that they're, you know, it is attainable but it's still going to make themselves proud where it's not like attainable, ridiculously easy. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Who I ran a five hour marathon, a six hour marathon, Mm -hmm. whoop de doo Mm -hmm. Like I shouldn't Mm -hmm. even did the race, right? Like it, it does keep you kind of fighting and, and really helps you get through those mental struggles that you are going to go through at that point in your race. And I think there's something pretty valuable about learning in that, in that case, like, you know what, my worst day is still pretty good. And this is where I talk a lot about raising the floor. So I got this from um, Steve Magnus. Yeah. Steve Magnus and uh, uh, on his podcast on coaching, 
with Steve Magnus and John Marcus, they talk about this quite a bit. So we spend a lot of time trying to raise our ceiling, like PRs and longest long run and highest weekly mileage and stuff. But they're as equally interested in raising your floor. Like when you're kind of not really training, what what is your weekly mileage? Oh, I run 30 miles a week when I'm not training. Well, that, like, that's pretty good. You know, like that's a lot of mileage for like not training. Right. And so on the same in the same vein, like, you know, my half marathon is two hours on a bad day. Like there's a lot of pride that can be taken in knowing that even on a crappy day, I'm still like, I'm getting better, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. No, uh, Steve Magnus is just unbelievable. Anytime Mm -hmm. I have an opportunity to hear him talk, it's definitely knowledge and wisdom, uh, all throughout. And that's a fantastic way to think about raising the floor and really just Mm -hmm. getting those closer together. And it yes. doesn't put as much pressure on yourself, right? To always like raise that ceiling because we can't raise the ceiling every single time we go out there and race. Nope. It's just nope. not realistic. Yeah, exactly. And and what I'll say on this one, and and it depends on the the personality type of the person of the person that I'm coaching, but there will come a time when you're even on like an A day, like an A goal kind of race that it's going to start to hurt, right? It's not as if like we run our A day and everything just feels totally fine. It's like we we came up against discomfort and we dealt with it and we pushed through and we leaned in. So the caution that I will give about turning a B day into a C day, right? So everything's going along and then you feel the first sign of discomfort and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to the the C goal. It doesn't mean that we have to drop down uh, at the first sign of discomfort. So it's Again, learning to tune in to yourself and hopefully you've practiced this a lot in training. So tune in with yourself. Like, is this real discomfort that I can't handle or is this just normal race discomfort? And so I would just, you know, caution people from latching on to the first sign of discomfort and, and dropping from the A to the B to the seagull too quickly. Right. Uh Excellent point. And I enjoyed your conversation with Kim on your podcast on your episode of DNFs or did not finish. And you kind of spoke about that a little bit, like that goes through your decision making process, right? On, hey, you know, is this unsafe for me to like not finish? Or is this just some voices that are happening telling me that this is, you know, very difficult and hard to do? And I love that you mentioned that training those mental strategies and practicing them in training, right? Mm-hmm. For what you're going to have to undergo on race day is important. So you don't just kind of bow out at the first, you know, sign yes. that things are getting hard and, you know, you just yes. start working your way down the goal ladder. Yeah. So and it's very, very it's important. nuanced, right? It's very nuanced. E- even, even in training, the difference between like, this is normal training discomfort versus, oh, I'm about to get an injury discomfort. It requires that you tune in. So we can't escape the fact that we need to know ourselves. We need to understand what makes us tick, like in the goal setting department. And then in the training, we need to understand like how our bodies work and what's what's a normal discomfort versus teetering on the edge of an injury discomfort. And so same thing in the race. So, you know, you gotta gotta get to know yourself. Can't get away from that one. Indeed. And so now that 
you've provided us a framework on how to set goals, how to make sure they're smart goals, how to make sure they're realistic, how do we do a five-year yearly plan, race goals, A, B, and C goals. You know, what are the top five mistakes that you see mm. when it comes to, you know, setting running goals? If someone's going to like sit, you know, put pen to paper right now or start mm -hmm. typing out their uh, five-year, their yearly goals, and maybe even for those that are racing soon after they listen to this, maybe their uh, race goals. Yeah. So number one thing I see, and I think we've spoken to this a little bit with the type A people that seem to love running, is letting perfect be the enemy of good, right? A lot of us get overzealous at the beginning when, especially when we're setting our goals, it's very exciting. We get all motivated. We're, we're good for those first three weeks and then boom, reality sets in. And you know, thinking that we have to be perfect, that if we don't hit every weekly, you know, mileage on the, on the plan, then we're somehow a failure, you know, like it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and truly, I don't think there's a person alive who has followed their training plan, especially for like a marathon exactly to a T there's adjustments that need to be made on the fly. So, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. What if we just allowed ourselves to kind of show up in a, smaller but more consistent way because I think we can all agree doing as I've heard you talk about this like it is the consistency it's that body of work over time not this one week or this one month of training that matters absolutely and yes that for me is the biggest thing with my new habit goals of reading meditation literally if I do five minutes um, yes. I'm checking that box and saying, you know what, I've been consistent and I'm showing up in a small way. Some of you mm -hmm. may be thinking like, what the heck is five minutes going to do for this guy? But I'm developing the habit, right? And I'm yes. showing up consistently and having kind of um, smaller goals. Like that's the yes. minimum. But if I do a little bit more, that's great. But I'm not setting goals of, okay, I'm going to read for... Honestly, reading for 30 minutes for me is a is a stretch goal right now because I'm Too I know much. I'm not going to hit yes. that every yes. single day. Yeah. Well, so. this is interesting because again, I think people always want to know like the optimal thing that that they should be doing. And again, type A runners, like we want to like, what's the perfect thing? Like, what's the perfect plan? But unless we have ha a habit built in the first place, there's really nothing to optimize. There's really nothing to make perfect. Right. And so I love that. And I always I call it strategically lowering the bar when people have that one thing in their in their training. Like let's say for a lot of us, it's strength training. Like I just oh, I always blow it off. I never get to it. I say lower the bar. Like what is the minimum that that you can do? You know, like, is it two minutes? Is it two minutes of strength training? You get down on the floor and you do 30 second plank and 30 second bridges. And you know what I mean? And you, yay, you've done the two minutes and you get that little hip, hit of dopamine to say, pat on the back, like I did it. Right. And we can always optimize later, but if you're not doing it consistently, there's really nothing to optimize. So I, I love that. And I call it strategically lowering the bar. And I do it a lot with strength training. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Such such gold, guys. Hopefully you're <laughs> listening to this. That you just said that so perfectly. I just love it. So what is the second mistake that you see? Okay. And this is so perfect for runners, right? Thinking there's a finish line, right? So a lot of us uh, start a new habit, like, oh, I'm going to eat so great for, for 30 days, or I'm going to run for 30 days. People love to do streaks and, and things like that. And it, it's, 
it may feel good to get that habit going and do something for 30 days. And I'm not knocking that. Like if that works, that works. That's amazing. But the trouble is in thinking there's a finish line. What happens on that 31st day? Like (laughs) most of us, when we take up running, we want to be lifelong runners that might not actually come out in uh, anything written that we have, but that's really what we mean. Like I love running. I want it. Like I love the social aspect. I love what it does for my mental health, physical health, what have you. So it's not this marathon that's happening in 20 weeks. It's like, I want to be running in 10 years. I want to be running in 30 years, right? And so there isn't a finish line when it comes to this stuff. So behavior change, I always say, is a lifestyle to be lived, not a finish line to be crossed. Oh, I love that one as well. So what's the uh, third mistake? Third mistake is relying on motivation. So motivation, like everyone thinks they need more motivation. Motivation, it goes up and down and up and down all day long. Motivation is not a reliable way to get yourself to do anything. You're not always going to feel like it. And this is the number one thing I'm saying to people is like, you, you, I don't always feel like going for a run, but, or, or like making dinner or, or whatever, but you can learn to do it anyway with the right, like if you're in the right environment and have the right supports that you can learn, learn to do it anyway. And so I think, um, James Clear. Do you know James Clear, the Atomic Habits guy? Yes, I got the book right there. Yeah, it's probably been one of the most influential books I've read. (laughs) Definitely. He says something and it's always stuck with me. He says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And so if we don't have a system in place, like I'm going to do this or like, you know, I'm going to make the meal. Here's, here's my meal plan for the week or whatever. If we just expect to wait to feel motivated to get ourselves to do anything, <laughs> you're asking for trouble. Yeah. And that's, a, I, I think that's a great um, example in that I'm one of those people who do set out my lunches like on Sunday for the full week. So I don't need to think about it. It's like done. I know I'm going to be eating what I want to eat to fuel my body as a runner, as opposed to thinking on the fly, trying yes. to find something, trying to find the time to prepare it. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think is an example that most people could relate to. But I see this relying on motivation, almost tying toward your first mistake as well. Yes. In that it needs to be perfect. And you know, thinking about if you're not motivated, then you're just, you know, or tying more to what we were talking about, like B to C goals and just bowing mm-hmm. out early. And you're like, well, I'm not motivated to go for a run today. So that means, you know, it's it. not yeah. good for my body or my body's right. just not ready for it. And then that just like snowballs, right? And yep. you don't get yep. that consistency that you need and get the small wins. So, yep. you know, yep. not saying, oh, I need to be motivated to eat right, to run, to strength train, but even if I'm not motivated, what are some small wins that I can do just to exactly. create that habit, create that consistency? And I love, you know, what you said of, you know, we all want the best plan. And but you're right. If you're not consistent, it doesn't matter what the plan is, exactly. right? The best plan yep. is going to be one that you're consistent in. So yeah. I love and, that. And this sort of ties back into strategically lowering the bar for me is like, okay, I don't feel motivated. So especially in those moments where you don't feel motivated, it's like, what is something that you can do? And that's where I'm a fan of like, you know, I have implements laid out all over my house. Like here's a mini band and here's a, a 
you know, foam roller and uh, weights all strewn about kettlebells around my house. So it's like a visual reminder, like, oh, yeah, I said that strength training is healthy. So I'm going to do these 20 kettlebell swings. Like, is it going to make me, you know, like get me all the way to my goals? No, of course not. But at least it makes me feel a little bit better in the moment. And so a couple others I like for running is laying out your clothes the night before. So if you've got that early morning run, if you know exactly what you're going to wear, it's all laid out. And your goal in that moment becomes putting on your clothes. It doesn't even become running, right? It's just, what can I do? And if you turn around and go back to bed, that's that's fine. But you achieved the goal of putting on your clothes. If you've got your clothes on and you're still like, I don't really feel like it, you can you go out for five minutes? You know, if I still don't feel like it, after five minutes, can I come back home? And then at least I've done a, like a mile or approximately a mile, right? And, right? and then I'll call that a win. Like yep. absolutely call that a win. Even if five miles was on your plan, you didn't feel like it. You did a mile. You you learned that you can show up for yourself even when you don't feel like it. And that is still valuable. Yeah. And for us mere mortal runners who are not as fast as you, Carolyn, that five minutes is probably going to be a half mile or maybe even a quarter mile. But you're right. <laughs> you did. You did yes. put in that time. And how many yeah. times, you know, has happened for you personally, or you've had a client say, I just was not motivated. You know, All it really time. felt like I was not going to have a good run. And then once you get into it, it's like, oh, this isn't that bad. And then once you're halfway through, you're like, wow, I feel like totally fine. That's amazing right? that I felt that bad when I first started or before I started. So, you know, kind of getting a little small win, like you mentioned, can go a long way. And you'll actually might surprise yourself on how good you feel, you know, midway through or at the end of the run or the strength yes. uh, workout. I've been doing that five minute thing for about a decade and three times I've come back three times. And then in those times that I came back, I didn't even feel bad about it because I knew that in that day, in that moment, the run wasn't serving me, but I, I invested the 10 minutes to find out. Right. Right. And, right. and, and so earlier when I was saying we were talking about not falling for that first sign of discomfort in, in a race or something like that, it's like, if we've practiced this in training, right. Where I don't feel like it. And then I go out and, oh, guess what? Like I felt so much better after I got, after I got out and 97 times out of a hundred, I finished the run and only three times do I come back. Then you actually had a very valuable learning lesson that we can not feel like something or we can have a physical discomfort, but we don't always have to a hundred percent believe it. Right. Right. And so this kind of setting out your running clothes really speaks to adjusting your environment, right? Like putting yes. things visually within your environment that is going to help you be able to meet your goals that you're setting for yourself. And then what's what's the, the last mistake uh, that you see folks make uh, in when making running goals? Yeah, it's it's not surrounding themselves with the right people. I think our innate desire to fit in as humans, it's, it's hardwired in us that what happens is we tend to adopt the so social norms of the groups that we associate with. And so that's why it's really important that we be intentional about who we spend our time with so that, and again, this is a complete steal from James Clear. He says, 
You want to join a group or a tribe where the desired behavior is the normal behavior, right? And if you think about that, like if I join the running club and the desired behavior is like running, (laughs) right? And and healthy eating and sharing recipes and and stuff like that, that is going to absolutely get you better results than if you're just around people that are dragging you down or people that are, you know, sedentary or drinking beer every Friday night or, or whatever, whatever the case is, it's like, just know that that has such a powerful influence on our, our outcomes in life. So building that tribe. And, and again, I think there's a lot of opportunity to kind of do that. I mean, sometimes we are forced to be around, uh, around certain people, but um, we can intentionally put a lot of the, that support in place ourselves based on who we choose to spend for sure our disposable time with. Right. Yeah. So I would highly encourage you guys, if you aren't around those people, maybe in your family, in your friend circle, you know, find a local running group, right? Find, you know, the local running group in, in your town. If you don't have a local running group, like our healthy runner Facebook community is kind of a virtual online platform, uh, that brings together runners from all over the country and the world. But yeah, find those spaces that, you know, people are doing the things that you're doing and, or want to do, right? Or Mm -hmm. that you aspire to get to. And I think it does make it easier to create that habit formation and um, when you're looking at goal setting. So all great points. I love all of those kind of five mistakes that most runners make. So as we come down to the wire here, you know, final stretch, you know, last question we ask all our guests, you know, if you could change one thing about the misconception of setting running goals, you know, what would that be? Hmm. I think that goal setting can be a very like heady, like logical kind of process. Okay. I'm going to sit down and do my smart goals. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we're always chasing a feeling always as humans, we are chasing a feeling. And so, you know, you can start with like, what, what's my goal? Okay. I want to run, I want to BQ. Okay. That's my goal. Ask why, 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 why? And usually asking why five times is going to drill down on the feeling that you want. I want to feel accomplished. I want to feel proud of myself. I want to feel like I can trust myself. I want to feel strong and, and capable and unstoppable right? Like when you ask why five times you get down to the real meat and potatoes of what is driving you and what kind of like produced that goal for you in the first place. And so I think it's important to remember that like a lot of people will say, you know, I want to, I want to run a marathon. And then when we get down to it and I say, why, why, why? Oh, I want to feel like I, I love connecting with other people and and I love doing the long runs on the weekend. And, you know, I, <laughs> you know, love the mental health aspects or or whatever it is. And I say, well, you could get that by running a 5k, you know, and then they say, uh, a 5k doesn't really excite me. So it's like, we haven't gotten there yet. We need to go down and down and down more. And it could be that I want the kudos from my coworkers. Like no one cares about a 5k. And I want that external feedback of like, whoa, you ran a marathon. Like be honest with yourself. Like if that's why you're running, because that that's why a lot of people want the marathon too, is that, you know, it is that almost like, oh, we're not a real runner until, until we've run the marathon, but that's externally driven, right? Like that's not mm-hmm. actually true. But if, if that's part of what's driving you, you know, be honest that that's, that's motivating you. Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing all of this knowledge and wisdom. I'm sure there are many runners who are listening to this right now that really resonated with your message. So, you know, where's the best place for our Healthy Runner community to connect with you? Yeah, the best place is probably on Instagram is where I do most of my sharing. So I'm at coach underscore Carolyn over there. And then I do have a website, carolyncoffin.com, that uh, that you can check out as well. But pro- yeah, probably the most up-to-date stuff comes on Instagram. On my website, carolyncoffin.com, on the homepage, you can sign up for my newsletter. I have a free weekly newsletter that uh, I always have a running tip in there. And I always have who's been on my podcast that week and uh, just something that I've been thinking about. There's usually a, a section that's just all about you know, something I've been thinking about or, or reading or something like that. But the podcast, if people want to listen, is called Inspired Souls and uh, Souls being S-O-L-E-S that I co-host with my friend uh, and colleague, Kim Seneschal. And uh, she and I have been having a lot of fun doing that podcast for a little over two years now, if you can believe it. So, Yeah, and you guys do a great job. And I'm looking forward to having Kim on the Healthy Runner podcast in a couple of weeks and touching base with her and learning about all about trail running and how yes, we can start expert. kind of dipping <laughs> the toe in the trail running. So yeah, thank yeah. you. I will certainly put all those links in the show. It's always such a pleasure to catch up with you. And I've really thoroughly, like wholeheartedly, honestly, enjoyed all of our conversations that we've had uh, these last, you know, year and a half, I guess it's probably yes. been. And yeah, we'll need to make this an annual occurrence. <laughs> yes. Every every January, I'll go on your show. You come on the Healthy Runner <laughs> podcast. And Perfect. Uh, yeah, it's always a blast catching up with you. And thanks for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, Dwayne. It was a lot of fun. And thank you to the listener, um, whether you're listening during a run right now, watching the video version on our Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, I appreciate all you guys. As always, runners, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Until next time. Most runners spend an enormous amount of time not running for one reason. They keep getting injured. Now imagine if you could have the structure of exactly what exercises, how much to run, and what you should be eating to get faster as a runner. Spark off your winter running with a four-month strong body transformation. This is one-on-one individualized healthy runner coaching to grow a stronger, injury-free body so you can run for stress relief all winter long. What will you get by the end of the 16 weeks? A strong running body so you can actually feel confident, healthy, and running faster this spring even if you don't think you're a fast runner. Oh, and did I mention, this will also take away your worry of getting injured. Spots are limited, so apply using the link in the show notes before they run away. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner Podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, Grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner on Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkhealthyrunner. 
five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcast or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.